0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Millennial Business Podcast brought to you by Millennial Girls Media, where we teach you how to live, lead, create, and earn like a millennial. Our generation knows that technology and the way people do business over the next few years is going to blow your mind. So if you want to stay up to date and relevant in this ever-changing world, strap in and get ready for the ride of your life. I'm your host, Taylor Victoria, and I'm gonna teach you how millennials do business. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Millennial Business Podcast. I am Taylor, your host, and today I am joined here with the amazing Adam Kamani. Um, he's done some super epic stuff. I was so excited to have the opportunity to interview him on the podcast today and it's our first episode doing the visual as well as the audio. So you guys are going to be getting us on Instagram, YouTube, everywhere, which is also very exciting. Adam, thank you for joining me on the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you and giving you some insight into my life and where I'm up to today, and more importantly, giving some advice to the listeners.
0: Amazing. Well, on that note, let's just jump right in. I would love for you to share with our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, and how you got to where you are today, because you're in a pretty cool spot.
1: Yeah, so I'm Adam Kamani, Uh, I'm 30 years old, and um, really it all started from when I was a young age. Uh, My dad and my family were always in the fashion industry, and uh, I I guess growing up when I was a little boy, just seeing them going out and about doing this, I kind of, in the back of your head somewhere, you knew you are gonna end up in the fashion industry although I always had a passion for hotels and property. Um, so I was growing up, went to school, did whatever, and then I kind of dropped out of university and um, went away, and I was like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, I want to be in fashion, or do I want to do property? Um, and at that point, me and my older brother, we came up with an idea to set up an accessories website, uh, hence the name Pretty Little Thing, um, So we did that for we did that. It was an incredible journey, and but ultimately in the back of my head, I knew I it wasn't fashion wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, so I went to New York um, to help out with one of the uh, fashion brands' offices over there because I always wanted to go to New York and kind of learn about the property side. And when I was over there, I started getting into property, real estate, understanding it, learning about it, reading about it. Um, I was there for two years. And then at that point, I came back. Um, We now have commodity property with um, a a really diverse portfolio. And um, I set up an investment fund where we invest in startup companies. Uh, So it's amazing. So there's so much going on. It's great.
0: Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you've got a whole bunch of things going on. I want to take us back to the start, though, um, of Pretty Little Things. In terms of uh, starting a successful, because that's that's a hugely successful brand. Like, I'm from Australia. I know very well about Pretty Little Things. Um, have purchased from there. I also know you were, were involved and um, worked on boohoo.com, which is also super cool. Um with with starting a company from scratch like that, an e-commerce company, what would, you, what would you say to someone who wants to start a brand like that in terms of building the brand? Because that's something that I see is super important with, um, with Pretty Little Thing is the, the brand that you built around it is one of the reasons why it did so well. Anyone can sell little things online, right? Um, but you, you obviously had that little bit of extra something and you built it up. To be um, an amazing world-renowned brand. So, talk us through what sort of things have to happen for that to for that to take place.
1: Well, in terms of like getting the brand out there, like obviously I stepped away after being there for three years. So a lot of a lot of change since then. And now my brother kind of runs that. So, um, but in terms of my first three years while I was there, in terms of that experience, I guess it's kind of just having a focus and kind of like, understanding what the customer wants and kind of trying to tailor, not, not really, like, tailor yourself, but you've got to really, if you don't understand your customer and what they're asking for, then you're fighting a losing battle all the time. So you've really got to try to understand that and understand them and what they want. And, and then, secondly, is creating that trust and creating creating that lifestyle in terms of, like, we're a, we're a brand like you can buy things up with us, but you can also buy an outfit from where you can do this with us, you can do that with us, um, and you've really got to trust and listen to the customers because they're so important to how your business is. I think the most the biggest problem a lot of people have is they do really well and then they stop listening to the customers because they think they know the answers, and at that mm-hmm. point, they really start having issues. Gotcha. And what's
0: one way you guys? Um, would listen to your customers? Would it just be through
1: social media,
0: or were you doing surveys, or what was the biggest way that you were able to listen to
1: your customers the best? Well, it's also you got to well listen. You be reactive to what's going on in the market. You see, I don't know, you see a celebrity wearing something, and you got to be reactive and think, okay, that's what everyone wants. Um, so you, that's one way of listening to it without directly speaking to them. The second mm-hmm. point is on social, like getting feedback of people, like. Obviously, at the early days, it was really small, so it was kind of just like your friends telling you stuff or the customer like getting, doing like a survey with them, whatever it is. And It's just really getting, making them attached to the brand and kind of understanding, okay, we're listening to you. How can we make this better?
0: Yeah.
1: Amazing. It's them an impact, you know, like they've made an impact as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And sort of, I guess, helping the customer to feel like they're a part of the brand and they're helping to create it to be what it is today.
1: That's for my first three years of being there. Like, since then, so much has changed. My brother, yeah, just hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, yeah. so again, that's evolved again and keeps evolving. Um, so yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, cool. And you said next, uh, after you were working on that, you went to uh, New York and you were working in New York, um, for about two years. Tell me what it was like working in New York, because that has been a dream of mine. I I went to visit New York one time and it's just like, like, blows. I'm
1: actually going there next week, um, so I'm looking forward to going back. Um, Oh my God,
0: it's so crazy. It's like, when people say it's the city that never sleeps, it actually is the city that never sleeps. How was it working there for a couple of years?
1: It's, uh, in many ways, it opens your eyes up. In many ways, it makes you appreciate home. It's got the good and bad, like, everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, it really does open your eyes and think, wow, like, where, where I live is such a small place. <laughs> There's so much oh out there. Um, but what I did realise from New York, and obviously started doing property while I was out there, it's dog-eat-dog dog in New York. Like, no one's your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you make friends and whatever but when it comes to work like, like everyone's everyone's just like go, 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 go everyone's out, everyone's out for themselves it doesn't mean it doesn't matter what it is, everyone just so you've really got to like got to be tough and it makes you understand very quickly you've got to toughen up there to if you want to survive in New York you've got to be tough and you've got to not you've got to be the same as everyone else but you've just got to make sure you're sharp and you're smart with it yeah
0: yeah sort of that cutthroat mentality I
1: guess. Yeah. yeah, you see all these people walking around the streets with their briefcases, like marching down the street and uh, you're like, bloody yeah, like, what, what's going on there? And then I just start people on a day-to-day basis. You're like, wow, like, these yeah. people, no flies on them. It's like, like, whatever they need to get done, they will get done. Even it means, like, schmoozing you, getting, saying all the right things to you. Uh, and I learned that very quickly when I was in New York. Um, and... Uh, that was a real lesson to learn from, for me uh, being there. But wow. on the whole it was a great experience. Yeah.
0: I, I can imagine it would be a very, very great experience and really help you to sort of, uh, if you weren't confident in yourself before moving to New York, I feel like you would learn that
1: very quickly. Really what you've got to do in New York is you've got to really embrace it. And sing. when you get there, it's like, okay, if New York, like New York had this, if, like all about it and like, wow, I'm here. And you kind of pinch yourself like, holy crap, I'm living in New York. I know. Then then you've got to understand like, the stuff, the not so good stuff with it. And the yeah. sooner you understand what New York is about, and the sooner you accept that, it's the same with anywhere you live, it's not just New York, but the sooner you accept where you are and the people you're dealing with, the sooner you're settling and the sooner you can kind of adjust to life. Because if you just, if you just think it's just going to be one big holiday, which... I guess it is, it's kind of like being on holiday but if you just think it's gonna be like that all the time and everyone's gonna be nice and you whatever then you, you're just gonna be let down so you've really got to grasp what it, what, it, what it is about wherever you are
0: yeah totally and you mentioned that uh it was when you're in New York that you really um decided to I guess put your foot down and, and um get involved in the the um real estate industry and and investing and all of that sort of stuff. Was there a defining moment that, that really made you think, okay, I'm going to do it now because you had more so been in the fashion before before, and now you were thinking of moving into investing and property or, or was it just more so a gradual thing?
1: Um, well, I guess it was a case of like, obviously I was, I was quite well traveled when I was younger. So I was able to, I was always fascinated with like the hotels we go to, or the buildings in different cities I was at. Um, and New York was just another one of those places, I guess. Um, and when I was there, like, it was just, like, the skyline's incredible as it is. And uh, I was there and I was like, okay, like, I'm going to go and see some properties while I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm just fascinated to be nosy, to go and see an apartment or whatever. Uh, and I'm not lying. I must have made about 200 viewings with all different agents like, even if there were properties I didn't want to see, or was just to kind of pick the brains about the area and the neighborhood and oh,
0: wow. what's
1: going on. Even if, it was stuff, even if it was a property I didn't really like, I just wanted to pick someone's brains and understand mm-hmm. it. And the more I started picking people's brains, the more I started getting roped into it and was like, oh my God, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. This is definitely what I want to do. It kind of confirmed what I had always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I was like, wow, like, I think, I wouldn't say there was a really. Maybe it was a trigger point, but at that point, when I've just been really looking at all the properties and stuff, I was like, "Okay, I can see myself doing this." I've like, I've got so heavily involved, like doing this, like reading research, staying up to two in the morning, reading stuff online, because the wow. market's so different. The market's mm-hmm. so different in America than it is to the UK, and especially New York being a super city, that's just another world of its own. And I was like, "Okay, I really need to understand this. If I want to buy a property here, what do I need to do?" Like, I need to make sure. I don't fuck this up. I've got to make sure I, um, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the best person that can do this. Yeah. Uh, so just really, I, even if, when I didn't want to see a property and I didn't want to meet an agent, I would do it just so I can pick their brains and understand what's going on with the transport links, the neighbourhood, the unemployment, the property prices, the rental mm-hmm. value. Um, so I would do a lot of unnecessary viewing, but it wasn't really unnecessary. It was very valuable to kind of piece it all together. Yeah, totally.
0: I definitely don't think that's unnecessary. I think it's, uh, it's smart to, like, that gives you a competitive advantage over anyone else who's starting out in the industry because you have uh, hours and hours of built-up knowledge that you already uh, know in your head over these people who are just starting out they potentially might not know. Um, now, for people who might already have a business, like you had and maybe want to start looking into investing or um, looking into the property market, what would be some advice that you could give to them? Um, If they're
1: they're looking to buy a property or looking to... If they're looking to start
0: investing in in property.
1: What would be my advice? I would be... My advice would just know it inside out. Like, property is local. Whatever it is, if it's like wherever you're buying it, it's local. So you've got to understand the neighbourhood, the people live there, the unemployment, the transport links, the schools, all, the, all those kind of things. And I, I would say, like, don't just buy something because an agent's saying buy it. Mm. Like, understand, okay, are you buying it to sell? Or are you buying it to, like, to flip, for example? Or are you buying it to rent? And then as soon as you identify what you're doing and how much you've got, like, really home in on an area you want to buy and read about it, understand it, like, make viewings, yes, understand, read stuff online, like, really make sure you know the neighbourhood of where you're buying because you don't know that neighbourhood's got a bad crime rate. Like, you just think, mm-hmm. oh, it's a great price. But, like, if it's got a bad, if it's got a bad reputation and you're not, you don't really know that, then you kind of, you're going it's not, to, it's not so much of a great property because you're going to struggle to sell it maybe another time and you might struggle to rent it. So, I think sometimes, I think with property always, is just no What you're dealing with, and know where the property is, and make sure you know all the answers to that property.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, I think it's my audience is a lot of them are just sort of starting out, uh, potentially their first business, or um, they're quite young and new on their business journey, so it's potentially something that they're not doing yet but super interested in i know i definitely want to start building up a property portfolio i'd love to get a villa here in um in bali indonesia and then potentially one back in australia so it's great to hear that sort of because i never would have thought to look up like the crime rate of an area or um anything like that before you're buying property but it makes so much sense
1: Local planners are saying about in terms of what's being built up around the area, is there any new things from the area? Is that are they stopping the transport? Are they putting money into more car parking? Are they building more resi? Like all these things are big factors in terms of mm. what happens in the area and where it shapes up to be.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so now, your, com- your company that you've built up um, with, your, with your property portfolio, do you want to share a little bit about that? How it's going? What you're doing with that? Anything exciting? Um,
1: so the company's Kamani Property Group, um, and I also got the investment side, but I'll speak about that later if you want. Yeah. But in terms of the property side, uh, yeah, so we have a portfolio mix of development, residential, commercial, industrial. Um, and what I did when I came back to the UK, obviously my family had like a little part on the side that they, were, they had um, property-wise, but no one was really dealing with it because everyone was dealing with the fashion and that, that was kind of taking charge. So just kind of left as a backbone and no one was really dealing with it. So Mm -hmm. obviously being in New York, had this passion and then I came back and I was like, okay, the first thing I did was look at all the stock we had Um, and I said, okay, there's dad's stock there, dad's stock there, dad's stock here. Okay, how can we maximise what we have? Instead of going out, it's easy to go out and buy a building or easy to go out to buy an apartment, but Mm -hmm. really look at your own stuff before you start spending money on other stuff. Um, so I thought, how can we maximise our own stuff? So we started planning and stuff like that. And I've done it for now, for three years now. And the growth of the company has just been incredible. We started off as a team of four. Now we have a team of 26. Wow. Um, that's just in three years. And that will continue to grow over the next couple of months as well. Um, and yeah, I think what, how we kind of shaped the group now is like everyone in Manchester knows who Command & Property are. Like anyone wow. in the property, like they all know who we are. Like, if you speak to an agent or something, and same, on in property, they all know. And I think we've done we've done a really incredible job of like making sure we never, we never we've never developed before. We're not developers. All of a sudden this year, we've got seven developments on, building like three office buildings, two residential buildings, wow. doing another one in in down, down south in London as well. So really have like really focused on what makes us special and how we do that. So it's been a great journey and it's been a great learning curve. It's not always been hunky-dory and where it's like that. Yeah. There's times where it's like this, but that's when you learn the most about yourself and the business and Definitely. your team. Yeah,
0: yeah. totally. Uh, in, in regards to your team, you said you took it from four to 26 in a matter of uh, four years. How, how do you uh, – three years, sorry. How do you go about building a team that quickly and ensuring that you – Maintain that really super high level of uh, reputation, I guess, because you said that everyone knows about your company. How do you make sure that everyone meets that standard?
1: So, what I look for, I look for employing personality over skills. Yeah, well, obviously, you've got some skill about you. Um, because what I think is, like, we spend so much time in the office. We spend eight, ten hours days in the office, more than you do at home with your own family or your partners. Mm. I think. When I come to the office, you want to be in a group, you want to be surrounded by people that are fun, got good energy, like, likeable, you don't want anyone with an ego. Um, so what I do, I say, as long as you've got some knowledge, mm-hmm. I'd rather employ your personality because you can teach skill. You can't teach personality. P- personality is what's embedded in than them. So I'd rather take the personality and teach them the skill afterwards, as long as you've got some sort of base knowledge um and that's how I kind of built my foundation. and we've got a great we've got a great team here it's a really close-knit family Beautiful. like it's not if, if someone if someone makes a bad mistake it, we don't point the finger it's like okay how can we all how can we all work that out how can we all help um and yeah so it's great it's just kind of like instilling that mentality into all, all, all the team and saying okay this is our mentality we're all in this together if someone yeah. makes a mistake we all go down if someone wins we all win um and I think that's really rubbed off onto the team and like you see, I see, I see, I hear, I get feedback from people that my team meet and the, the attitude and the, the feedback I get is so positive. Like, Oh, like they've got, they love that. They're so passionate about this. this. Like, so it's, it's nice to hear like it's, people rubbing, were all rubbing off yeah. on each other. Amazing. That's super good. I know,
0: like I have worked at a, uh, a company before where the team environment was, the team was good before and then we got a new manager and the, he didn't have a team mentality. It was very much, um, he was just, yeah, and he was just trying to show off to the, to the um, managers above him and he just absolutely killed the, the team, um, the whole vibe for the store and everyone just started resigning because everyone hated going to work. Like, it was not an enjoyable place to work anymore.
1: Yeah, would be it too fun. You go, better to have a hole in your business and an asshole. And it's so true.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And, and, and everyone just started resigning and then he had no staff left. And I was like, well, sorry, but that's what happens when, like, we couldn't even talk. We weren't allowed to talk. On if... Anyway, that's a whole other
1: story for a different day. <laughs> and then it's real facts and people, like, people that are probably going to a first job and, and have that experience will probably think that's normal. Mm. and it's not normal It's like you don't get treated like a piece of shit you get treated with the same respect as everyone else, everyone in this business gets treated with the same respect, whether you're the cleaner or the manager it doesn't matter we all have the same respect for each other
0: I love that, that's amazing amazing. because at the end of the day everyone's human like we're all humans, everyone deserves to be treated equally, just because you have different titles doesn't mean you deserve to be treated better sorry what was that?
1: Titles are full of shit, really. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> um,
0: cool. And I would love to move into a little bit more of the investing side of, um, of your company now. So do you want to tell me a little bit about that and what's going on there?
1: Obviously. So maybe it was about eight two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, we realised there's a pool of young talent out there that always add on Instagram or LinkedIn or wherever it may be, or email would always ask us for advice or what do you think of this business? What do you think of that business? And it's kind of like, I was actually on a flight to Italy at one point with my father, who's uh, who's the founder of Mm boohoo.com. And I had this light bulb moment on the plane, actually. And we're like, we've got all these people wanting our help. Like, why don't we put this into some good use? Um, So at that point, literally by the time we, by the flight was only two hours, uh, by the time we landed, we we had it all worked out what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, blah, 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 Um, blah. And then the next week we set up the fund um, and we set up a website. We came up with a name, KM Capital. um, And now up to date, we've invested in 17 startup companies um, all looking for advice or mentor and a bit of cash injection, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. And it's been a great experience. Like you see people come to your table with presenting this idea, and want I like, speak so passionately because they really want the money, they really believe in the idea. And sometimes it's so hard to say sorry, it's not for me. Then mm-hmm. other times, like, wow, why? Did...? You think shit? Why didn't I think of this idea? Like it's just so <laughs> good. Like yeah. why don't I think? Um, so it's great every day. You you meet all these new people with all these great ideas, and it's just it's really interesting. It's really really fun. Uh, There's so much great talent out there.
0: That's cool. What are are some of your favourite investments that you guys have made in companies that you've backed that are really super sort of, or like quirky ideas?
1: Um, So we've invested in a babysitting app called Bubble. We've invested in a a condom uh, plan with a vegan condom. (laughs) Um, Some social media uh, businesses. We've invested in a floating hotel in London called the Boathouse which is really Ah. a really cool space like if you're in London you should check that out um lots of prop co-company it's a real real diverse portfolio of stuff um but everyone in their own right we see potential and we think okay we could probably help them we could open a lot lot of channels up for them Mm -hmm. um yeah it's, it's absolutely great
0: awesome and so if if there is a millennial listening that is wanting to potentially get some funding or um propose an idea to investors, what would, is there anything that helps people to get that little bit of edge over somebody else or is it just purely based off the idea or give me some insight into, into your side of things
1: I, I, I speak to a lot of investment people, a lot of people that invest, sorry and it's kind of you hear the same feedback over and over again and everyone's like, okay, sometimes you see a great business but you see the wrong person running it, behind mm. it that's one, that, so that's an issue. Then other people see, you see a great person, but the business isn't so great. Um, and you think, oh, like, only if. Um, so I think really what I would say to anyone that's starting out is, like, if you're going to go into a business and you want to set up your own, if you want to get investment from someone, really know the ins and outs of your numbers of your business,
0: mm. the
1: facts, the competitors, why you stand out, what's your, what's your identity, like really home in and know everything about that, that business because I guarantee you if there's one thing you've not covered, when you go into that meeting asking for that money of someone else's, they're going to ask you the question you don't know the answer to. So <laughs> really know your stuff and make sure you know it better than the next person that's coming into the room because mm. when you go into a meeting and I, might, I ask you a question saying, oh, what was your turnover last year? And you, you give me a number, say £300,000 and say, okay, like, was that online, on, offline? That like, well, how's that split? And you don't know the answer. It's like okay, if you don't know the details of something so simple as that, how, like, what are you going to be like as a CEO with my money, winning a business? Like you're not going to be into detail of like really knowing the, the facts of your business because you can't really unless you know all the facts, you can't make a call on it. You're going to make the wrong call without the with, with the wrong information. So always know your information, know the ins and outs of it. Like right? know the numbers, know the details, know what worked, and also you've got to be able to listen and take criticism on. Mm, definitely.
0: Have you had uh, any companies that you've invested in and then they have not gone so well and just turned around and be like, oh, sorry, we spent all your money and
1: now it's not uh, working? We, we, we're, quite, we're quite careful in terms of um, how we drop the money in, in terms of like, okay, we're going to invest $100,000. Well, we will drop the 100000 in, but we will monitor that we will have weekly calls with them saying, okay, where, gotcha. what, what's the problem? And it's not that we're trying to um, suffocate anyone. We want them to run their business. We just want to make sure, like, if they're going to go and get some stuff printed, like, we probably know a lot of people that can do that stuff as well so for, for cheaper. Mm. So, like, let's, let's get more out of the money than you, what you're, you're getting out of it. Um, yeah. And let's open the doors to certain people that where we can make everything more cost-effective so you get more out of your money, really. Um, Amazing. No, it's touch wood.
0: Um, <laughs> what so far. cool and yeah I guess that's as well you said you had a lot of people already asking you for advice and mentorship I guess and, and that that would really help especially young people wanting to start a business because they might have the knowledge but they don't necessarily have the experience I was listening to a, a podcast episode today with uh, Ty Lopez and he was saying all of these young people are coming out of university and they, ha- they probably have more knowledge than um, the billionaires that are currently already billionaires had when they came out of university, but what they're lacking is the experience and the know how. So, if they can get some of that from you guys um, with these weekly calls or just have somebody to ask questions if, or get a bit of guidance from, I think that's so valuable um, these days because, it, as you were saying about New York, it's a dog eat dog world. Um, I, I feel like it's that sort of similar mentality in the tech sort of startup. Uh, industry, would you say that that's
1: correct? It's hard because in the startup world there's so many startups out there and so many fail within the first two years. Um mm. because I what happens, people get excited, think see a bit of momentum, and when they get to that point they think, Oh, I can do this now and that's where the whole business flops. Um so mm. it's really challenging, it's really you've really got to get that balance right and really um I think you just got to really I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but I guess like you've really just got to embrace what, everything that comes at you. Like always, pick your brains. Like listen to it. Like but don't take don't take everything. Take, take everything with a pinch of salt because like I guess like if you're if someone's doing a social media business and you have got the next person doing the social media business, like who's going to be better at it and why are you going to be better at it? I think mm-hmm. you've really got to make sure you stand out and not give a load of bullshit to anyone. You've got to be really honest with yourself. Like, okay, it's just a real business that can do well. So, um, I think you've really just got to be, you've got to network the heck out of people, really make sure you're mingling with the right crowd. Like, obviously, have your friends and whatever, but you really, I think, like, if you just think, okay, nine to five, I'm going to go to work and th- that's it, and you've got the nine, next person who's in the same industry as you do nine to a ten, like, <laughs> don't, don't be surprised if they do better than you because that's when the that extra five hours trying to get in touch with new clients, new businesses, meeting people. Like, don't cry. Like, you've got to be real with yourself. We all live on this social media life on Instagram and everything. It's a make-believe world. And I think everyone thinks everything's perfect and everyone has these great lives. We all have our faults. We all have our flaws. That, Instagram isn't real life. Instagram is a make-believe life. Um, and it's, I'm so passionate about sharing. Like, I will, I'm guilty of it as well. Like, we put, we only put the best things on social media. We don't yeah. put our... We don't, we don't say, oh, like, I've got weight issues or I've got, like, personal issues or whatever it is, which is real everyday life, which everyone has. Like, if we all shared that, then everyone wouldn't have done it. But what I'm trying to say is, like, you've got to put – what you put in is what you're going to get out of it. If you, put, if you don't put the effort in, you're not going to get it. And don't, don't be surprised and don't get upset with the results you get if you've not put the effort in.
0: Totally, 100%. And I so agree with uh, – even just the part that you were talking about, the net, the network, with your network. Moving here to Bali, compared to me living in Canberra in Australia, the caliber of people that I'm surrounded by now, and um, the amount of like-minded people that I'm surrounded by compared to in Australia where I'm from, there's a lot of people who work in the public service and are very happy to just sort of sit behind their desk and uh, do what they're told by the government all the time. and That's just totally not my vibe. And moving here, surrounding myself with those sorts of people it just has opened up my mind to a whole new world of ideas and opportunities that I didn't even know existed before and I never would have even thought of these things by myself living in Canberra because I was I wasn't surrounded by that same group of people Um, and it's amazing to also be surrounded by a group of people that realize that Okay. Yes. There's going to be some days where you maybe work four hours and then go to the beach in the afternoon. But there's other days that you work 13 hours because you're about to launch something, and maybe you're here till one or two o'clock in the morning. But you just got to do what you got to do to get it done.
1: Um, have a nice time. Enjoy what you do, but like don't expect the result if you're not going to put a shift in. Basically, yeah. You've got to put it in and make sure like you've done got that extra mile. Yeah. And then do the results. yeah.
0: Totally. I think. People who complain but aren't willing to put in the work, they uh, really frustrate me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just do something. Do something about it. If, if you're complaining, do if something to change it.
1: I can't. I can't. Like, if you work 9 till 5 or 9 till 6, yeah?
0: Yeah.
1: That's your work. And then you sit at home watching Netflix or whatever, it may be a movie or whatever. Like, There's still 62 hours of your week after work. Like those sixty-two hours, everyone says I can't. You've got sixty-two hours before you probably like before you probably go to bed, to do something with your life. Go to the gym, read a book. Like I don't on. know, a networking event. Like everyone, everyone, just cuts it off. Like you've got to like either don't do it or do it. Like it's your call. It's your life. You can maintain okay. everyone, one. Ultimately, you're living that life. So if you're not happy with it, it's only you that can make a difference. Like I'm, right. I'm fed up of your excuses all the time. I, I totally the- agree. <laughs> I was one of those people that made excuses sometimes. And we all have a moment where we make excuses, but I, I can moan to my friend about a day I've had. But ultimately, it's my day. It's right. only me that changed that. Like, they can maybe help me and advise me, saying, oh, you should do this or do that. But like, if I don't, then it's only me that suffers, and I'll moan the next day the same thing. And it's just become that I've become a scratch C D then I've become a broken record.
0: Totally. It's all a mindset shift as well. Like, you can... The, the worst things can be happening to you. And if you choose to have a positive outlook on it, you, like you might've crushed your car or whatever, but then you could say, well, shit, I'm so grateful that I had a car to crash. Like it's, and that completely shifts the mindset, your mindset and it shifts the whole situation. And then you're able to look at everything in a more positive I light. Agree, totally yeah. Agree. And then you can change that. And that's how you change your life. I did, like, that's how I started my business. I was working nine to five. I would wake up early in the mornings, go to the gym in the morning, then get back, work on my business, get home, work on my business till I went to sleep. And now I'm living my dream life here in Bali. So it's like totally possible, but people have to actually just put in the work.
1: Your mindset and doing something with your life instead of just accepting society wants you to be this way. Yeah. Um, So yeah, you're a great example. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Um, So... Adam, is there any if if there was one last thing that you could say to the audience um, before we we finish the podcast off, what would it be?
1: So, what your audience is what kind of age?
0: Uh, millennials, like young, maybe under thirty to.
1: Okay, yes. Yeah. So my, my, my advice would be: is don't get caught up in the bullshit of social media of this make believe world, like. What we, what people put out there, and what we see, isn't real. Like, we all have issues. We all have our good days. We have our bad days. Like, do your thing and make sure that when you go for a job interview, wherever it makes it be, like, you get remembered and they remember you for what you are. Like, make sure you stand out from the crowd. Your personality, be bright south Like, never let, a, like, we all we can have bad days and it can get us down for a few hours. Don't let it eat away at you. You go into that meeting right now. If you've got a meeting today and you, you know you've got a job your job depending on it you go in there and you absolutely smash it and make sure people remember you and you make sure you stand out from the cloud like no one can believe it because I tell you what that'll make a massive difference and if you have that outlook and that attitude in life you'll get very very far I and love that I hope, I hope that's uh hope that's good advice yes uh, that's
0: amazing thank you where can, where can people find you online where can people find you
1: um, so my Instagram is at Adam Kamani um, mm-hmm. and on there is all the uh, business pages I have the Kamani property, KM Capital and stuff like that but yeah if anyone if any of you followed, want to get in touch and ask for advice like message me on Instagram and I'll, I'll, I'll try and get through them um, and I, I promise I'll have a read and get back to you when I, when I get the chance but all thank right. you for having me um, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the chat
0: Yes, it was great. Thank you. You heard that, guys. Slide on into Adam's DMs, shoot him a message if you're interested in investing or property or getting any advice or anything like that. um, Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And until next time, bye. Want even more millennial business insights and to connect with like-minded business owners from around the world? Join our Facebook community for tips on how to take your business to the next level and chat with myself and other listeners. All you have to do is visit facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash millennial girls media gang to be a part of this wonderful community. For show notes and downloads, head to www.themillennialbusinesspodcast.com where you can find out more about this week's guest and me. If you enjoyed this week's show, would you just take a screenshot and post it to your Insta story? I know this episode could help so many other business owners to see the amazing changes that they can make to grow their business exponentially. Until next time, my awesome listeners, keep chasing your big business goals and thank you so much for tuning in to the Millennial Business Podcast.